Hey, welcome to another episode of Film Streak. My name is Rob, and what we do here on Film Streak is I'll talk about new movies that I've seen. And that's not always a new release. It's not necessarily what's in theaters or what's just come out, but new movies to me. And at this point in my life, I've seen thousands of movies. So um, it's more about kind of discovering some new things, kind of going outside my comfort zone and trying different genres, different types of films, different types of stories. So part of the idea here is also this this is a little bit of a personal challenge, you know, it's to see how many of these new movies I can watch and uh, even give some of this over to you so that maybe you're thinking about watching one of these movies or you've never seen one of these movies and it might give you some interest in it. You know, part of it is that uh, if I watch an indie film that I feel like just really flew under the radar, nobody really saw, but actually turned out to be uh, uh, like a hidden gem. Hey, that's, I'm always about that. Like, let's celebrate that. Let's get that in front of more people. Uh, maybe it's a classic that has kind of been relegated to the past or just uh, put aside. But there's probably still value there. There's still something interesting to talk about. So here's where I'm trying to do that. I'm trying to talk about some things that are both new to me, but also maybe new to you. So with that in mind, uh, let's pick up with um, where we left off. This episode, we're going to get it going. We're going to talk about a group of films here that I didn't really intend on doing it this way, but this is kind of how it worked out. So, okay, so two things here. Um, With these films, I wanted to talk about films that, uh, for whatever reason, for for better or worse, their, their titles are the something, you know, the noun, the verb, whatever. And sometimes that really works because it it actually gives you a little bit of an idea of what this film is trying to focus on, like just dial right into this particular thing. Okay, great. And other times it's a little bit of indication that the filmmakers maybe, or even the story itself it's it's a little too broad or too abstract that it's hard to sum that all up in a title. So we just give it a very basic, plain title and then let the audience figure out how that relates to the story that they've seen. I kind of feel like one of those is better than the other. Uh, I get why those choices happen sometimes. But actually, the other thing is with these films, it didn't really... Like I said, it wasn't really planned for this to work out this way, but these films all relate to some sort of meal or gathering or dinner or group setting. I just found it interesting that this is not like a one-off thing or even just a a couple of instances where filmmakers or, or writers had this idea. I mean, this actually pops up over and over and over. Some I've already seen, some I've seen a long time ago, others uh, haven't gotten to yet. We'll, we'll get to those some other time. But I wanted to talk about these at least. So first up, we're picking up where we left off with Film Streak 185, The Invitation. Each and every one of us is on a journey. And we feel that it's important to be on that journey with the people you love. You 
been acting so suspicious of our hospitality. This beautiful moment is upon us. Tonight is the night our faith is made real. Something doesn't feel safe here. All right, so this is a film from 2015. This is directed by Karen Kusama, who we previously talked about one of her films, uh, Destroyer, with Nicole Kidman. She did Jennifer's Body, going all the way back to that. And so here, you know, sometimes when you follow the filmmaker, you kind of get an idea of what kind of film this is going to be. Sometimes. And so here, I figured, all right, well, let's see. This might be some kind of thriller type of thing. And so some of the cast here, we've got some interesting names and faces. Um, we've got Logan Marshall Green, who, look, for me, for, you know, I I bought my stock in Logan Marshall Green a long time ago. And I've, I've really liked some of the work that he's done. I, I, one of the films I really thought was inventive and actually pretty fun, even though it was super violent, was uh, Upgrade. I liked him in Prometheus. I like him in this film. He's kind of our lead. And uh, we've also got some other interesting faces here. We've got John Carroll Lynch, who, if you've seen Zodiac, I think uh, as many other times as I've seen him in other things, John Carroll Lynch is probably always going to seem like the bad guy. Probably a very nice guy. Totally cool dude. But um, going into this movie, when he shows up, that kind of tips you off like, oh, this movie's going in a new direction now. And uh, so also one of the group here, um, one of the cast, we have uh, a comedian, Jay Larson, who I've listened to his podcast. I've listened to his comedy and I really like what he does there. So it was interesting to see him in this kind of film, which is not a comedy, uh, but he does bring a little bit of levity to it. Overall here, let me just get to the premise, though. Um, These characters and a a bunch of other characters, I think it's actually like four different couples. They come to this dinner. They're all invited to this dinner. And um, Logan Marshall Green, he plays a character that uh, is, his name is Will. And he's basically invited to this party by his ex-wife. And um, all these people gather and it at first it it just seems uh, of course awkward and uncomfortable because well, you know why would you invite your ex-husband to this and so that's understandable and then there as the the evening goes on you get an idea that there's something else there there's another motive behind all of this And it's slowly revealed over some flashbacks of Will's past and his past with Eden, his ex-wife. And it's not really clear, like, if there was an abusive relationship or if it was just toxic or if there was some kind of info. You know, it, it, it starts out vague, but then it starts to really focus in that, oh, there was a loss, And that's what broke them up. And that's what made things really difficult. And so on top of that, as that's being revealed, you've also got the dinner that's actually playing out. And there's discussion of life and death and 
what those things mean. And for a good while, for a good part of this movie, I wasn't sure when the thriller is going to start. Because it doesn't really play that way. It actually plays pretty much above board in, in terms of it's just presenting its case. It's The story is just about people who are discussing life. Then it does start to take a turn, though. When there's talk about some other entity at work here, and um, I, it's hard to describe. I don't necessarily want to give away what happens, but... Um, there is the thing, they, they're not just invited to the dinner. That's not why it's called The Invitation. There is actually a thing in the film called The Invitation, which is like your calling to serve some purpose or to play some role, let's say. And so um, when that starts to uncover itself and you start to see, oh, this isn't just about friends getting together or non-friends getting together. And this isn't just about a dinner, and this isn't just about really heady conversation. There's actually some other bigger thing going on here. And it's it starts to get disturbing then, because it is almost like a... What starts out as almost like a support group for grief and for people who have lost in their lives, it turns into another thing where it's about embracing death. And even like going towards death, when it really starts to dawn on people what is happening, some people back away and some people are not cool with this. And so that's when the conflict comes in. That's when it starts to become a thriller. Things start to get really heated. And um, of course, some death does happen. It is that kind of movie. But the lead up to it is what I thought was interesting because it doesn't really play that way. You know, you, you get a sense that something is off, but for the most part, it seems to have its aim a little bit higher than that. And it does kind of work in that direction. Once it starts to turn into the little more standard thriller, at least there's some understanding of why. It's not just uh, psychopaths on a rampage. You know, there is a little bit more of a reason why uh, killing starts happening. And so... That, as much as I kind of want to say about what actually happens, I just thought the interesting thing was the approach to it. You know, the the idea that death is is hard and it's um, it's tragic, and sometimes it can be a surprise. Sometimes it can be very um, uncomfortable to deal with and to live with. Um, some of the thesis of the film is that maybe that's not a bad thing. And maybe you just have to run into it, just charge forward and embrace it. Um, I don't know. That's a lot of people's um, first reaction or even second or third reaction, but this film at least tries to make the case for it. And it's, there's a couple of lines of dialogue. There's a couple of moments where it seems like uh, I understand but at the same time, I'm not willing to go there. <laughs> so that's uh, that's at least my kind of take on this film. Um, I think for the most part, it plays pretty much how you would think it does once the thriller gets going. Um, you know, there are this this group of people, they are locked in this house. 
and it is partly about getting out of this house and trying to survive the night. And so just watching which characters are going to come out of this alive and which aren't, some of it you expect, some of it you don't. So I I think this is a recommendation. Uh, I enjoyed it to a degree. And then at some point I started to feel like it, it almost backed away from its own premise. Um, but for the most part, I did I did like it. I, I thought it was interesting. It was an interesting way to tackle this type of subject and still keep it in this in this basic format. You know, the, the people invited to a place for a very secluded kind of uh, intimate dinner setting type thing. And then how do we get out of this? And so for me, that's a recommendation. It's got some merit to it. Um I feel like it really flew under the radar. I don't even remember this even coming out, um, but it is available, you know, streaming and some home video uh, places that you can watch it there. So anyway, that's the invitation and um, let's keep moving on. Next up, we're going to jump back in time a little bit. This is Film Streak 186, The Celebration. No, but that happened. Got go Okay, so this is uh, from writer and director Thomas Winterberg, and he's a Danish filmmaker. Uh, this film came out in 1998, and at the same time, you know, if you know some things about film and, and history of film and, and all that and foreign film, you've probably have heard of the Dogma 95 Manifesto and the, the rules of filmmaking in that era in like the mid to late 90s. And part of the idea with that, if you're not familiar, part of the idea was we want to strip down all the trappings of filmmaking, strip it down to the bare essentials. And the goal was to keep your story authentic, to keep your performances, your characters authentic. And so you get rid of any special effects, you get rid of any fancy camera movement, you get rid of any um, even like title cards and graphics and stuff like that. You get really, really down to the bare bones and you focus on the story and you focus on the emotion of the story. 
Yeah, part of me feels like there's a good intention there. Part of me also feels like it's a little bit ridiculous because if I have a story to tell that has some real weight and some meaning and some thought in it, why wouldn't I use whatever tools are available, whatever uh, whatever production techniques and whatever tricks are available to get it done? Now, I get if you don't have the money to do those kinds of things, which in the mid-90s, that was a, a fair argument, is, is film was hard to produce and even just hard to shoot and to edit and because the technology and the cost of that technology was way bigger and more complicated than it is today. You know, today, all you need is, is a phone, and so you don't have to worry about those kinds of costs and the complicated maneuvering and all that stuff you have to do. So in a way, it meant something for the time. Looking at it today, it seems kind of, kind of silly almost to reduce your filmmaking technique and process to almost nothing when that's kind of just how it can happen by default now. So look, all that aside, there's a little bit of thoughts on that, but um, this film in particular, I think, you know, like I said, this story, it's not necessarily new, but this film took it to a whole different level. You know, this is a film that takes place in Denmark. There's a family, a large family that's gathering for the father, the, the patriarch of the family. He's turning 60. So he's got his three children. He's got their spouses, their children, you know, just uh, grandparents uh, and all the staff that work in this big house. I mean, it's like an estate. It's not a house. It's It's an estate. So you've got cooks and you've got uh, servants and whatever. So there's a lot of characters, a lot of moving parts in this, a lot of threads that are happening in this story. They're all gathering for this big birthday celebration. And so as the family gets in, they all arrive, you kind of figure out who's who, and you see that there's even some tension with some people uh, when they meet others or they haven't seen each other in, in a long time. And you're kind of getting to know, you're starting to feel out who's who and maybe what they're all about. Once the dinner gets rolling, it seems still very, very much typical family thing. Most of it's pleasant. There's a little bit of side eye here and there. But when one of the sons gets up to give a speech, he reveals some really disturbing and um, uh, criminal things that have happened in the family in the past. Disinformation these allegations, these accusations of some things that have happened, it's presented as fact. And yet nothing's really shown us or indicated that this could all be made up. So the family that's sitting around the, all the dinner you know, in this dining room, none of them are really sure how to react. And so that's where the, the moment of... Um, it's, it's like a tightrope. It's like, I, I don't know what I'm supposed to do now. Like, how do I feel about this? And it's because it just comes out of the blue. You kind of just have to go with the moment and see what happens next. And that's, 
I, watching this film, I knew there was something about this film just from hearing about it in the past and reading a couple of things about it. And I tried to stay just this side of knowing what exactly happens. So when it actually comes, when this moment actually comes, uh, it is shocking and it is a little bit, um, well, I mean, it's disturbing, of course, but you just don't know how to, how to react to this as a viewer, not as one of the people, one of the characters there. You're watching to see what they're going to do and they're watching to see what has going to happen next. It's a strange, it's a strange like double prism of what you're supposed to feel. And so the fallout from that ensues, right? Throughout the the dinner, into the evening, into the next day. It's a thing that could be played off as, oh, this is someone who is clearly having some issues, maybe a mental health problem. Uh, Maybe there's some other factors that are at play here. As the sun and other other facts or other things or other information is revealed, the father eventually comes around to addressing it and acknowledging it as truth. And so at that point, then you're just really left with the reaction of, okay, what, what do we do next? And, you know, for all that that happens, it's still played on a very simple human level. You know, it doesn't turn into a thriller it doesn't turn into uh, a, a, any kind of overly, I mean, it does get heightened, but it doesn't become a quote unquote movie at any point. It, it almost plays like a documentary. And so in that regard, it feels much more stark in terms of this, this really happened to these people. Look at what they're doing to each other now. So, you know, with that in mind, this really set a new tone and it also kind of reinforced the dogma 95 concept is that without all the other stuff to really not distract you or take your attention away, but to dress up this story without all that, all you have left to focus on is this particular moment and this drama that is happening. And it's drama that feels like it could be happening to you and your family at any given dinner or gathering or whatever. And that's where there's like this really quiet terror that kind of plays out as the film, as this stuff happens and as the film goes on into the third act, you know, you start to maybe reflect on your own dinner settings and and gatherings with your family and the idea that not that someone's going to drop a bomb, like what happens in this movie, but that everybody's got their own story and they've lived, they've been living their own lives and they go off in different directions. And when they come back, the assumption is that everybody's going to be pleasant. Everybody's going to have a good time. Everybody's going to enjoy this moment, but not everybody will. And for some people, it might be really horrendous stuff like this. For others, it might just be they're uncomfortable or they don't know how to maneuver through this kind of a setting. 
at least opening that dialogue and, and, and getting those thoughts going, I think that's the real power of this film. I mean, the story itself, it's, it's its own thing. And you can invest in these characters as much or as little as you like. But it's really about reflecting back to you what your family is like, what your family situation is like. And in those moments when you're all together and maybe you're all laughing, maybe some people are, some people aren't, the possibility is still there that someone's holding on to something that's hurtful or destructive or just um, corrosive. You know, it's just a matter of understanding that and acknowledging that. And so if that's the big lesson of this film is like, hey, pay attention to your family and be there for them and accept them. uh, That's that's a pretty big thing. And so, you know, that's where I come at it. That's that's really what I take away from this film. It's definitely a recommendation. If you get hung up on the look of it or the filmmaking of it, it, that will pass at some point, you know, you, it'll look really rough, really unrefined and, and just not very polished, but sit with it for a little bit, let it play out. And you'll see that it really does hold your attention and it really does have some deeper meaning in it. I can't say that for all the films that came after this in with this dogma 95 standard, but this one, I think at least said, Hey, we're planting the flag. This is what this can do if you approach filmmaking this way. So that's a recommendation for me. That's the celebration. All right, let's keep this moving. 187, The Dinner. I'm not going. Oh, it takes three months to get a reservation to this place. I just don't want to be with these people. It sounds super exclusive and sexy, like going to France. During the German occupation, maybe. (laughs) Hold on, Congressman. What is going on? It's a family matter. It's private. You are running for governor. Nothing is private. This is private, and it will stay private. After tonight, it'll all be over. Mr. and Mrs. Lohman have not arrived yet. Oh, yes, we have. You want to see our driver's license? I'm his brother. Of course. Right this way. I'm the only person in my family that cares about real people. Stan, running for public office. Elitist, self-serving, just like Mother raised him. Look good, Paul. Not as good as my brother, but then I don't spend quite as much time in makeup. Hello? Dad, you on my phone? Yeah, I must have thought it was mine. This is long overdue. We're going to talk tonight. We put it all on the table. Toast? To the children. To health. To getting through this dinner in one piece. Cheers. I love it's mom. Your father doesn't know about tonight, and I'd like to keep it that way. Nobody will ever find out if we just keep cool. Dad? Are you just on my phone? Who are you talking to? So what's the subject at hand? You know what it is. It's about the boys. How much do you know? How much do you know? He's going to turn us in. He's going to turn us in. I know. These boys have committed a horrific crime. I mean, it, it was an accident. This case will never be solved. But is that what we want? These are What's done is done. I'm suspending my campaign. I'm going to set a press conference. Go public. As a family. 
you make a decision like this, you also decide the future of my son. Families will do anything to protect each other. I am trying to protect you. Because I love those kids. And I love you. What will he become if he gets away with this? All right, so this is a film from 2017, written and directed by uh, filmmaker Oren Moverman, who I really, really liked one of his early films. I, it may have been his first film. I'm not sure at this point, but uh, it was called The Messenger. And I did a podcast a long time ago, years ago, about that film. And I really, really thought it was moving and it was thoughtful. And it's, it's actually hung on to me. And it's got Woody Harrelson, Ben Foster, um, Samantha Morton's in it. Um, if you uh, if you know anybody that's in the military, if you've ever been around that life or or just have been affected by that in any way, go watch that movie, The Messenger. It's really good. This film, The Dinner, we've got two couples, right? We've got Richard Gere and Rebecca Hall. They play Stan and Caitlin. He's a senator or congressman, um, and we've got his brother, played by Stephen Coogan, and his wife, Laura Linney. They're Paul and Claire. And so Stan and Paul, it's pretty quickly revealed that they have a little bit of a contentious relationship. You know, they're almost uh, rivals in a sense, and we're not really sure why. There's a little bit of hostility. There's a little bit of tension there. As they are all gathering for this double dinner date at this uh, high-priced restaurant, things are starting to pop in about their kids. And they, 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 have, they both have sons. One of them has an adopted son also. So they have the three sons that are involved in this B story that doesn't happen at this dinner. It's like uh, at a separate place and even at a separate time. And we're not really sure what it is. You know, there, there's something about this idea of these films that take place at this dinner type gathering type setting where things get revealed slowly and maybe not accurately. And we piece it together little by little that the three boys, teenagers, they were involved in assaulting and it's revealed later in killing a homeless woman. These two couples, the the four parents, they are, uh, they are essentially meeting over this dinner to figure out how to handle this because one of them is, you know, in public service and the other one, the other brother is dealing with his own mental issues and there's some instability there. It's all just, it's, it's like a time bomb waiting to go off that something's going to fall apart here and it's all going to, it's all going to blow up in their face. So, they're here to meet to figure out, okay, let's get, let's all get our story straight and let's figure out what we're going to say and how we're going to handle this. Of course, the problem comes in where there's guilt and there's uh, some mistrust. And Paul and his, and his wife, Claire, they both start to angle towards, we have to do what we can to protect our kids. Let, let's, let's do that. You know, whatever we have to do to protect them. They shouldn't go down for this. And 
Stan and Caitlin, they're more of the mind of, no, we have to do the right thing here. And that right thing means we have to get in front of this. We have to, we have to own it. And these kids, for what they have done, they, they have to pay the price. And so that's where the, the kind of conflict in the moment during the dinner happens. But as we're also revealing that Paul being a big factor in swaying this decision, he's struggling with his own issues. You know, his wife was sick. His son has been just a a, a source of trouble. And so he's starting to fall apart. And so that that really makes this whole situation very tenuous. Like none of this is going to work. We're also seeing in flashbacks and in um, kind of cuts to what happened with the boys, either in the past as they were growing up, and in and also the moments that happen when they find this homeless woman and and how that plays out. And I say we're cutting around because the problem I have with this film is not the premise. And even the performances are great. It's just the structure of the film. It gets really, it kind of gets dizzying. Of like, where are we? And when are we? The way I look at it is the editing in this film is what kind of does it in. You know, there there's some part of building a, a sound uh, like structure to the story that that has to work in order for an audience to really follow it and understand where the hell we're going. And this film, to me, to, to my taste, it doesn't work that way. It doesn't work correctly, if that's, if that's how you want to put it. Like Things just seem a little too out of order, a little too... Um, uh, either forced at one moment or like lagging in other moments. And it's like, I, I could have used this information to be able to follow this story about 30 minutes ago, but I'm getting it now when it's actually just maybe making me a little more confused about what exactly is going on or maybe what this character is thinking. I, it's hard to explain without seeing the movie. And yet at the same time, I can't really recommend seeing this movie. It's got an interesting premise. Again, the performances are all solid, but the structure is a problem. And maybe the worst thing above anything else is that the ending is just completely abrupt. Like it really felt like when we get to the last scene, the last shot, I just really felt like, uh, okay, um, when's the next shoe going to drop? Like there's nothing. It, we go to credits. And I really, I actually had to rewind it and figure out like, wait, did I miss something? I mean, it just completely hits a wall. And maybe I did miss something. Maybe I do need to watch the part of the film again. But if it's that distinct, I'm not gonna. I, I mean, you, you had your chance. I watched the ending twice. And I still felt like it wasn't a satisfying ending. I don't mean it was like, felt good. 
I understand if a, if a film ends on a low note or a down note, but here it just, it didn't feel like, it felt like a half a note. That was a surprising thing that this movie would end that way. And uh, based on that, almost entirely based on that, I can't really recommend this film. If there's something about it that was uh, uh, a novel approach to an ending, the story leading up to it really has to justify that. And the story doesn't doesn't go in that direction. It, it's not that kind of a story, I don't think. This is the kind of story that this whole thing, this dinner, they're debating over what to do and what's right and what's maybe more practical. And so there's a decision that has to be made. And it doesn't really feel like we get to that decision in a satisfying way. I guess ultimately there is a decision of what to do, or it does resolve itself, put it that way. But it just doesn't feel like it was a satisfying ending. So that's a pass for me, unfortunately. I like the cast. I like this filmmaker. I like other work that he's done too. Um, this one I, is just a swing and a miss, you know? So that's the dinner. We're going to keep it moving now to Film Streak 188, The Feast. Tisha Blas? So this is a pretty new film, actually. It's uh, released in 2021. It's directed by Lee Heaven Jones. Um, and it's filmed in Welsh, which um, if you take it in those terms of this is essentially a foreign film, then uh, it, it, I don't know, it gives it a different air. 
And when you start to see what happens in this film, those things kind of line up. It kind of starts to make a little bit of sense. It feels very distinct in its style and even the editing, the tone of it. It feels like it's its own kind of thing, its own beast. And um, I'll just get into a little bit of the story here or, or the setup. Because I don't, I don't know that there's a whole lot of story. It's more about just kind of watching things happen. Uh, we have a young woman who is arrives at this home. It's kind of a remote setting in the Welsh countryside. And um, she's there to help uh, the woman that lives there. Her name is Glenda. Katie arrives at this house and she's uh, almost like a fill-in or like a substitute for their normal assistant or whatever uh, to help with this dinner that they're having. Uh, Glenda and her family, her husband, her two sons, and they're inviting some friends over. And it seems like it's kind of just a quiet dinner. And as things start to unfold and we start to see Katie walking around the house and learning a little bit about some of the quirks of these people and their maybe unusual behavior. Um, you know, the, the sense is that, oh, this family is up to something. The, these people are a little bit strange, a little bit off. You know, one of the sons is like super into training for this triathlon. So he's wearing his really weird getup and he's like on a bicycle and he's doing all this workout and very strict about his diet and all this kind of stuff. The other son is kind of a loser. I mean, he kind of sits out in the yard playing a guitar and just kind of aimless and looking to maybe get high and just hang out and not do much of anything. Glenda seems very particular, very specific. Um, She's very fussy over details about this has to be a certain way and that has to be like that. Okay. Um, The husband seems a little bit detached. It's not really clear where he's come from either. So it, it, it seems like this is a story about a young woman who's coming into this house And this family is a little bit strange. And we're in a remote setting, so anything could happen here. Once the guests arrive, as we get a little deeper in, we start to understand like things about the property and the land that they this family has. And these guests that are there, they're also dealing with some business aspects of it. And there's talk about development of the land and mining and drilling and, you know, all these different things start to weave their way in to the discussion. And, you know, as all this is playing out, as much as it seems like, oh, well, this family is weird and this location is a little bit unsettling, we are starting to also catch little hints of weird things happening with Katie. And at first, it's not really clear. It's not even obvious what is going on. But then as it starts to become a little more obvious, like she stands somewhere talking to somebody. And when she walks away, there's a little, like, almost like a little pile of dirt where she was standing. Or or Glenda's cutting fruit. She tastes the fruit. 
she has a, a, a little bit of a strange reaction to it. And you just think, and, and Katie doesn't say much for like most of the film or all of the film. So you're kind of not even sure what to make of Katie yet. Maybe she's just kind of put off by this family and this setting. Maybe she's nervous. She's young. Maybe she's inexperienced. Maybe she doesn't, she's in over her head. Okay. But overall, I mean, just generally, there's a lot of weird, odd stuff happening in the film. And it's only once the dinner is served that we really get an idea of what the hell is going on here. Because at that point, the tension starts to brew, right? You know, all of this is such a slow burn and it's so vague in a way of what exactly we're heading towards. Once we finally get there, once we start to see, oh, what is really going on, that it's not this family that is weird. I mean, they are, they are strange, I guess. They have their quirks. But Katie is the source of everything going on here. When people start dying, and it's Katie that's the one that's involved and responsible for it, it starts to shed a whole new light on everything we've just seen. That this isn't about this family, and they aren't like some kind of weird closet psychos or whatever. It's about Katie not even really being Katie. She is actually some other manifestation of Katie, incarnated by nature itself. Uh, it, it's really kind of high-minded concept here, but like Katie is essentially getting back at this family taking vengeance out on this family for the development of this land, for the drilling and mining and the destruction of the environment and all that, the costs that this family and, and its business has put upon the land, Katie is the way into this house, into this home to tear all that apart. And that sounds, when you sum it up like that, that sounds pretty interesting. When you watch it play out in this film, for most of the running time, um, you're not really sure if that's where we're going or not. And it's not until the very end or close to the end when you start to, it all comes together and you get it. But for me, I came into this with a whole different expectation. And the film even kind of works on that premise until a certain point in which it totally switches gears and now you see what's really happening. That's kind of a little genius, you know, judo filmmaking move there. But um, overall, I, I can't really say I enjoyed the film, you know? It wasn't particularly entertaining. And even its message, its overall theme, it was a little too buried under the strangeness of it all. I have to give it a pass. I would give it a recommendation just on the unique tone of it. But I, I just know that that's not for everybody. It's one of those films that, you know, when you, if you watch enough films, you know, oh, I could see most people would like this if they only knew about it. This is one of those where people, some people might like this, but most people probably wouldn't understand it. Or they just, they wouldn't hang with it. So it's probably a pass for me. We're talking just generally, right? Your casual moviegoers, if you're just looking for something to watch, this probably won't be the one you pick. All right, so 
Here we go. We're going to get to our last one here for this episode. This is really the one that I started the whole thought with. Um, this is Film Streak 189, The Menu. Is that going to fit everyone? Yeah, easily. 12 customers total. How do they turn a profit? 12.50 a head, that's how. What are we eating, a Rolex? It's one of his classics. You have to try the mouthfeel of the mignonette. Please don't say mouthful. Tonight will be madness. Welcome. We'll endeavor to make your evening as pleasant as possible. Welcome to Hawthorne. Here we are family. We harvest, we ferment, we gel. We gel. We gel. He's not just a chef, he's a storyteller. The game is trying to guess what the overarching theme of the entire meal is going to be. You won't know till the end. Who are you? I am Margo. Why do you care? I have to know if you're with us or with them. This menu. The pictures, they're of us. This guest list. How do they get this? It's not good. This entire evening. Christ. This is just theater. It's stagecraft. We're leaving now. Has been painstakingly planned. This is real, isn't it? What the hell is going on? We now offer you a 45-second head start. <laughs> okay, 45 seconds starts now. This is what you're paying for. Get out of my way. It's all part of the menu. It's okay. No, we're going to die today. Yes, we are. Yeah. Happy birthday to you. You told him it was my birthday? Seemed funny about three hours ago. Now, this is a new film that just came out. This is directed by Mark Mylod. Stars Rife Fiennes. Stars Anya Taylor-Joy. Uh, Nicholas Holtz in it. Um, this is several people in this film. Again, similar premise. We have these uh, wealthy, privileged types that are invited to this exclusive, unique dining experience at this remote location where it's very particular and, and the settings are just so. The menu is set and designed just so for, I don't know, maximum enjoyment or whatever. I don't go to places like that, so I don't know. Here we have all of uh, these guests that they're arriving at this remote island. They have to come by boat. It, it kind of reminds me a little bit, if you've seen it, I just talked about in a previous episode of uh, Glass Onion. In, in a sense, you know, it's like these people are arriving here probably with the right intentions, with good intentions to enjoy themselves, have a good time and all kinds of weird shit is in store for them. Yeah. It's kind of this film. Now the difference here is that the person inviting them there doesn't know them, doesn't enjoy their company and really actually just loathes them. The chef who at first comes off as very passionate and very deliberate about his work and his creations, his food, 
over the course of the film moves into you know the territory of just being psychotic. <laughs> and yet you're never really that far removed from what he's thinking. You know, you you kind of get the point of what he's saying and and his motive of he worked hard to be a world-renowned chef and he worked from nothing, from flipping burgers, to become this thing, this person, this celebrated uh, creator. And meanwhile, other people in the world, the people who were supposedly his fans or his even his critics, he couldn't see that there was anything special about them. In fact... They were almost like leeches, like just willing to take and take and take and take and never give. And I mean, it's kind of explained or at least it's it's inferred that over decades, over his lifetime of feeling that way and seeing that. He finally decided he's going to take measures. Okay, He's got to do what he's got to do now to make himself feel better. And there's a lot of interesting things to the the story here. The, the the plot goes in some interesting directions. We're even shown that one of the characters, uh, Anya Taylor-Joy, her character, who, you know, look, I'll just say, by the way, I think really works in this film. She really takes the film, takes control of the film at some point. At first, it's not real clear what role she has to play here, but... There is a point where she does kind of become the 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 protagonist and we we're on her side now. We're rooting for her. But when it's revealed that one of these characters is not at all what they seem, and Chef has maybe underestimated that and his whole plan is about to fall apart, that's when the real the the excitement comes because now anything's fair game. Anything can happen now. You know, when, when one of the staff, I don't know, it was one of the cooks or somebody says to, to the guests, oh, yeah, we're, we're all dying tonight. You're not sure, like, am I supposed to read that as a joke? Like, is the character supposed to be saying that as a joke? Is it just a very uh, deliberate delivery to make that sound like serious, but it's actually humor? Well, when we get to the end of the film and you see what happens, okay, now I know what they meant. I don't want to give this away because this is a brand new film. Maybe you haven't seen it yet. Um, but I would say this is definitely a recommendation. It's actually got a, a certain like a like a glee to it. Like it's it's the 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 horrible things that happen in this film. There's a little bit of like a glint in the eye to like, look, isn't isn't this what you would want to do too? Like, or vice versa. Uh, you know, there's also a couple of moments where like I said earlier, you have this kind of common, it, it's, it's like a social contract you have. Like if you're in a restaurant, if you're in a group setting, you know, any kind of like public space or whatever, if something shocking and unexpected happens and someone is in danger, for the most part, the reaction seems to be, wait, what just happened? To just freeze and to not really know it's almost like, do you trust what you just saw happen? 
Was that real? Was that some kind of an act? Was it a joke? Was it like a bit? Is it, is it a show? Is it part of the show? And so that there's a moment or there's a couple of moments where that happens here. And even like in the celebration, when the bombshell is dropped on the dinner and the family who all know each other still don't know how to react. I think that, I mean, and that kind of happens in all these movies to some degree, but here it's probably the most um, visceral and it's on full display of, yeah, not everybody knows what to do. Not everybody's a hero. In fact, maybe nobody in this room is a hero. And that's where that quiet terror comes in. Like, well, okay, well, what's going to happen next? You know, it's one of those things you just say it to yourself. Maybe you say it to the person next to you, but nobody is a hero. And so that's where, uh, that's where the film actually shines. It really heightens that in a way. And, um, I think it pays off. So to me, these are all interesting looks at very similar circumstances and the different ways it can play out based on the different characters and the different situations involved. But um, this is a recommendation, of course. The others, um, like I said, maybe a recommendation, maybe a pass, depending on your taste. So, look, that's been another episode of Film Streak. If you're just listening to this, maybe you're just checking it out. Thanks for doing that. Thanks for listening all the way through, if you got to this point at least. Um, if you're looking for more episodes, you want to subscribe, you can go to filmstreak.com. You can sign up there or you can get the ep- episodes directly to your inbox. So you don't even have to use a podcast app or, or anything like that. You can also do that if you like, uh, Spotify, Apple podcasts, um, wherever else. If you have some thoughts on these films or any of the other episodes, or maybe some suggestions for a new film to add to this list. You can leave a comment there at filmstreak.com. You can send an email to comments at filmstreak.com. So that's it for me. I, uh, I got to go in and watch some new movies. Talk to you later. 